please be seated for our Bible readings. The first reading is taken from Isaiah chapter 43. But now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Saviour. I give Egypt as your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in exchange for you. Because you are precious in my sight and honoured, and I love you. I give people in return for you, nations in exchange for your life. Do not fear, I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east, and from the west I will gather you. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from far away, and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Do not remember the former things or consider the things of old. I am about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild animals will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches. For I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people, the people who I formed for myself, so that they might declare my praise. The second reading is taken from Mark chapter 13. But in those days after that suffering, the, dark, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. And the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near, at the very gates. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away 
until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Beware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey. When he leaves home and puts his slaves in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on the watch. Therefore, keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or at cockcrow, or at dawn, or else he might find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep Awake. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, may my mouth speak wisdom and the meditation of my heart bring understanding to awaken our hearts, expand our minds, and shape our identity in you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, today is Advent Sunday. In that sense, it's the start of a new year in the church calendar. Often, though, in church life, as I guess in life in general, Advent can get squeezed by the preparations for Christmas. Today we're going to explore two of the main themes of Advent that we've been focusing on these past few weeks and so resonant to life today. Waiting and hope. We wait in hope by waiting on God. We wait in hope by waiting upon God. As we begin two definitions, here's the first this morning. The biblical definition of hope is not taken from the dictionary of 21st century life today. Hope in the pages of the Bible is not defined by an if, it's not defined by a maybe, it's not even defined by wishful thinking or escapism or even optimism. Throughout the pages of the Bible what we see when hope is mentioned is this. We see something of expectancy, something of what will happen with certainty, even when the circumstances seem grim. Why do they have this hope? Because quite simply, who is God and thus what he has done? I remember hearing Christine Kane, who's the founder of the A21 campaign, Combating Human Trafficking, say this a few years ago now. We build our lives, not on the facts of our circumstances, but on the truth of God's word. And it sets us free. We build our lives, not on the facts of our circumstances, but on the truth of God's word. And it sets us free. And it was kind of like when she said those words, which I've never forgotten, a few years ago. 
You know, it was like a vial of adrenaline. Kind of like being pumped into my veins through the syringe of God's Spirit. It's what hope does as defined in the Bible. It brings us alive. Because hope is to human existence what oxygen is to the lungs. Hope shines light in the darkness. Hope provides comfort to the pain. Hope offers peace where there is conflict. Hope creates strength to overcome the fear. Hope offers forgiveness and a fresh start. Hope transcends everything. In the Bible, waiting and hope are intrinsically linked, as we'll see next week. We wait in hope. And we wait in hope by waiting on God. Hear me carefully this morning, otherwise we might find ourselves at crossed wires or going down different paths. The second definition refers to how I'm using the word waiting in the second part of the sentence. In the first part, we wait, wait is spelt W-A-I-T. In the second part of the sentence, waiting is spelt W-E-I-G-H-T-I-N-G. When we give a waiting to something, what we do is this, we give it a priority. We give it an importance. We put other things before it. We make it first. It can also mean when we give a waiting, what we will also do is we'll increase the amount. This could be in terms of the times we could meet. It can also be in terms of a financial increase. We wait in hope by waiting on God means we do this both by prioritising the time we spend with God and also increasing the quantity of time we spend with him. When we then look through the pages of the book of Isaiah and particularly this chapter this morning, what we see is waiting on God involved a framework involving the three dimensions of time, of past, present and future. We wait in hope by waiting on God invites us to look back to remember who is God and thus what he has done. For the people of God in Isaiah's era to look back meant an invitation to remember by God by what we might call his first name or his Christian name. It was an invitation for them to remember the name for God. We see translated in our English Old Testament sections of our Bible by the word Lord, where the word Lord is all in capitals. We would know this name as Yahweh. When the people of God in Isaiah's day were invited to remember God by his first name, they all knew this. They all knew that they were remembering God who, was, who had been revealed in the burning bush to Moses and through the Exodus stories. We know through Exodus chapter 3 through to chapter 6. It was a reminder for them who at this stage were either on the verge of slavery or who had already been incarcerated in a foreign land by this time that Yahweh is the God who redeems his people. And judges his foes, as we read in verse 1. But now, thus says the Lord, 
Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. And in verse 3, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom. In these times of in-between, if you like, that we are living through, we too receive an invitation this Advent to wait in hope by waiting on God. By looking up to God in his word and prioritizing and committing to remember God as Yahweh in the great redemption story of the Bible and thus how he has saved each one of us. Remembering his words in verse 1 when he says, Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. And it sets us free. We wait in hope by waiting on God. Invites us to look back and look up to remember who is God Yahweh and thus what he has done. We wait in hope by waiting on God. Also invites us to look around and remember who is God today and what he is still doing. For the people of God in Isaiah's era to look around at their immediate situation that they found themselves in this section of the book meant that they had a double need that's kind of revealed at the back end of chapter 42. They were people either in fear or in bondage from which they needed deliverance. And they were people who were spiritually insensitive to God from which they needed redemption. Sound familiar to our present circumstances when we look around and see so many bound up by the effects of COVID-19. We see a world that still remains resistant to the need for salvation of our sins. And as a result of this double need for salvation, the prophet Isaiah writes to remind the people of God of Yahweh's promises to them. He says, you are his people. And he will be with you too. Whatever you face in life, as these first five verses of chapter 43 describe, whether it's the waters, whether it's the river, whether it's the fire, whether it's the flame, you will not be overcome. Why? Because as verse 4 tells us, I am Yahweh, the one who always was and is and will be. And I love you. In these times of in-between we are living through, we too receive an invitation this Advent to wait in hope by waiting on God. To look up to him in his word and prioritize and commit to hold on to the promises of Yahweh to us in the great redemption story of the Bible and how he is still saving us now because he's with us always and it sets us free. We wait in hope by waiting on God. Invites us to look back and look up to remember who is God Yahweh and thus what he has done. We wait in hope by waiting on God. Also invites us to look around and look up to remember Yahweh's promises to us in the present and how he is with us always. And we wait in hope 
by waiting on God. Also invites us to look forward, to remember who is God and thus what he will do in the future. You see, for the people of God in Isaiah's era, to look forward to the future was an invitation to not just remember the God of their past, and not as we read in verse 18, the God of the former things or the things of old. It was also an invitation to dream with him. If you like to seek out a new exodus, for we read in verse 19, for I'm about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not see it? God is a God of new beginnings. To read in verse 20, he will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to water our parched souls. And so in this time of in-between we are living through, we too receive this invitation, this advent to wait in hope by waiting on God, to look up to God in his word and prioritize and commit to spend time to seek out the new thing God wants to do in your life, in the great redemption story of the Bible and how he will save you. Because he is the God of the new exodus, the new creation. And it sets us free. We wait in hope by waiting on God. Invites us to look back and look up to remember who is God and thus what he has done. We wait in God. We wait in hope by waiting on God. Also invites us to look around. To look up, to remember Yahweh's promises to us in the present and what he is doing now. We wait in hope by waiting on God. Finally invites us to look forward. To look up, to remember who is God and thus what new thing he will do in each of our lives in the future. And each of these present three dimensions of waiting, the past, the present, the future, features centrally within this season of Advent. You see, Advent comes from the Latin word Adventus. It's a transliteration of the Greek word perusia, meaning the arrival or the coming. Advent is always about the arrival, the coming of Jesus. We often think of Advent in terms of the two comings or the two arrivals of Jesus. But for me, far more important or far more relevant is how the Celtic church community have always celebrated Advent through the three arrivals of Jesus. There's the coming of Jesus in the past. We wait once more for the hope of the Christ child who became a human being to be the saviour of the world. There is the coming of Jesus in the present. We wait each day for the real presence in our lives, for the one who is the living hope as he manifests himself in our lives. And there is the coming of Jesus in the future. We wait for the great eschatological hope of the day when Jesus will return at the end of time and put all things right and make all things new. So to help us in this season of Advent to wait in hope by waiting on God, For each day what we've done is we've produced a a Bible verse of hope which we can take and meditate upon throughout the day. You'd have been given a sheet as you came in with all of them on. And maybe take five minutes, 
three times a day to, to focus on the verse for the day. You know, remember, biblical meditation is not about emptying our mind. It's about intentionally immersing and filling our minds with the hope of Jesus Christ through repeated reading of those verses, through repeated hearing of those verses, through repeated meditation, through memorizing of those verses, so that they become part of us. And it changes our thinking and our behavior. You see, by following this practice, what we do is this. We wait in hope by waiting on God. And it sets us free. Today's verse is Psalm 25, verses 4 to 5, and we read, Show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. Lead me by your truth and teach me. For you are the God who saves me. All day long, I put my hope in you. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, our only hope is in you. We thank you for the past, trust you for today, and believe you for the future. That all your promises will come to pass, so we can rest forever in your love. In Jesus' name, amen.